0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim Devico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 359 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, March 20th, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, March 23rd, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. Elijah is on shore leave today, and in the meantime, Tony, what's coming up this week?
1: We are trekking out a new Star Trek-themed language to hit the language learning app Duolingo. Star Trek Discovery makes a splash at a couple of award shows. Simon Pegg weighs in on a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek film, and Connor Trenier reflects on the ups and downs of Star Trek Enterprise. In gaming news, we're catching up on the latest of what the gaming world has to offer, and later, Jace is here with another TrekLit 101. And, of course, as always, before we wrap the show, we'll open up Hailing Frequencies for your incoming messages.
0: Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so reach out to us. We are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We are on Twitter at Priority One Pod, and you can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
1: Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible every week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com/slash Priority One.
0: Of course, Patreon isn't the only way that you can help support Priority One. If you've got experience with audio editing or you want to learn, get in touch with us. We're looking for new audio editors to join our team. If you're interested, we've got a handy form on our website, or just email us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com.
1: Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse
0: what in places. I don't know. Then let's trek it
1: out. Episode 357's community question was, If you could learn any language from Star Trek, what would it be? Now hang on, don't worry, we haven't jumped ahead to the feedback segment. Last week's community question is pertinent to the story, because if your answer was Klingon, well, you're in luck. The long-promised Duolingo Klingon course has finally arrived. The course, which is offered for free on the Duolingo website, will also be made available via the iOS or Android app at, quote, a later date, end quote. I think that's kind of like soon TM in video game world. Klingon is Duolingo's third fictional language, joining Esperanto and High Valyrian from the HBO series Game of Thrones, and it was built by a team of five volunteers. Duolingo's senior PR manager, Michaela Kron told Engadget, quote, While some of our earliest courses were built internally, most Duolingo courses are built by volunteers using the Duolingo Incubator. Through an application process, we carefully vet the volunteer contributors to ensure their skill level and commitment to the project needs. Then our team of language learning experts, linguistics PhDs, and tech staff help review the courses and provide QA and testing End quote. She went on to quote more, saying, quote, In the case of Klingon, the course development was led by Felix Beck, the course's lead contributor, who is a fluent Klingon speaker and has been passionate about the language even before he became a fan of Star Trek. End quote. For more information on the process of building the course, be sure to check out the link in the show notes.
0: Now, Tony, refresh my memory. Do you, have you ever used Duolingo?
1: I have not. I downloaded the app once. But the only thing I wanted to try out was Spanish, just to see if I could remember anything. And then then I just never got around to it.
0: Well, I'm a huge fan of Duolingo. And in fact, at the moment, I have unfinished courses in Russian, Dutch, and Korean. All
1: right. So you can find the bathroom and the airport in three more languages.
0: (laughs) Sure. I guess it depends on which airport you're in. I don't know that I'll learn Klingon. That's... Probably because of the fact that I have uh, three other languages on the go. I think if they were doing Vulcan, I'd probably jump in on that just because I have- Drop
1: everything and, and just go right to that.
0: If, as the old saying goes, it's an honor just to be nominated, then Star Trek Discovery has a handful of reasons to celebrate. The latest installment of the Star Trek franchise has been nominated for five Saturn Awards by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Those nominations include Best New Media Television Series for Star Trek Discovery, Best Actress on a Television Series for Sonequa Martin-Green, Best Actor on a Television Series for Jason Isaacs, Best Supporting Actor on a Television Series for Doug Jones, and Best Guest Starring Performance on a Television Series by Michelle Yeoh. For a closer look at all of these Saturn Award nominations, be sure to check out the show notes.
1: Do you have concerns about an uber violent, obscenity laden, overtly sexual Quentin Tarantino Star Trek film? Well, Simon Pegg may be able to ease some of your fears. Or, or maybe not. During an Empire Awards red carpet interview with HeyYouGuys.com, which is the best URL ever, Peg said, quote, I don't think Quentin Tarantino has written an R-rated Star Trek script. I think what happened is he went to J.J. with an idea that he's had for a while. I remember he told us about it a long time ago. I think he told me and Edgar Wright about it a long time ago. He just put it to J.J., and I think J.J. is just considering putting it into a writing room. We got an email saying, guess what? Guess who came into the office the other day? I don't know much about it other than it's in the mix, so we'll see, end quote. Much like last week's Carl Urban interviews, not much was actually said, but this does shed some light on what may possibly be going on in the supposed writer's room. Allegedly, for a link to com's full interview from the Empire Awards red carpet, check out the show notes.
0: Stories like this make it difficult to be a podcaster because... We can't not cover it. I want to tell our audience about it. I want to tell our listeners that this happened, so Simon Pegg talked about it. Uh, but at the same time, nothing is said, and no one's ever going to say anything.
1: This is where a log, a legal education can come in just a little bit handy in the real world, is on a practical level. And uh, just bear with me for a second, because I'm going to explain one of the more weird evidence rules out there. It's not weird. You hear it all the time. But what it actually does, the hearsay rule, right? You can't take somebody's out-of-court statement for the truth of the matter that they're talking about. We can't say, hey, Quentin Tarantino wrote the Star Trek film. We can't say that. Based on Simon Pegg's thing that he's saying on the red carpet, that's—we can't—we don't know. Like I said, it's just a story. We don't know. But what we can say, that the fact that he's addressing it in public and referring to an email, we know that there is involvement at an official level— between J.J. and Tarantino. I mean, we know that. And and this is the second or third or fourth version of the confirmation of this. So we know, I think we can take it as a fact, that Quentin Tarantino and J.J. are in cahoots. And whether or not they've actually produced something that's filmable, we're not going to know for a while. But I think we can confidently say that now J.J. and Quentin are working together.
0: Yeah. And, you know, stay tuned to priority one for... Every mention ever that
1: comes up in the future. (laughs) Because Jake's watching is like a hawk. Yeah. He's all over it.
0: That's actually not to be insulting towards Jake.
1: No, no, that's a compliment to Jake.
0: We as a fandom are really good at, like, really going after the minute details of things. And I think we had a discussion about this when we were talking about Star Trek Discovery. Like, is it because we as fans, and particularly, like, you and me, Tony, as podcasters... Part of what we do is examine the minutiae of all of these things. Mm -hmm. We are almost obligated to cover it because we lose our relevance if we fail to address information that is out in the public arena. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes things like this kind of take the fun out of Star Trek for me.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You know? It's not that I don't love Star Trek, but, you know, it's, it puts me in a really weird position as a fan. I like to be surprised. I like to see the great new thing. Yeah. And I'm not even sure that we've had confirmation that there will be a fourth Star Trek film. I think we've had confirmation that people would be interested if somebody said there was going to be a fourth film. But there's, you know, there's no, like, yeah. Paramount hasn't come out and said. So we're speculating about the plot of a film that we don't even know exists yet.
1: <laughs> yes. All uh. we can say for sure is number one, JJ and Quentin are talking. Number two, uh, it's in. It's it, it's 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 at, it's at the stage where the key players have at least been elbowed a little bit, nudged a little bit to say this is kind of what's going on. Because mm-hmm. Peg would need to kind of know about this because it's like, hey Simon, if you don't be insulted, if we don't invite you into the writer treatment table because we got this other guy instead. You may have heard of him, the QT. You may know that guy. <laughs> you know That would be something that, as somebody who's working with Simon Pegg, who's a good writer. I mean, Star Trek Beyond is a decently written film, I thought. And you know Star Trek. So, hey, Simon, you haven't gotten this call yet, and here's why. So I think that that is also something that's kind of going in the background there. And so that's what makes me think that this is credible and reliable. And if there is a fourth movie greenlit, I think it's highly likely it's Quentin Tarantino. And I really, really hope it's that yesterday's Enterprise sort of offshoot thing that they're going to do. Really hope so.
0: Well, this is actually a really good opportunity for a community question this week. I would like to know, how do you as a Star Trek fan feel about fan productions examining all the minutiae of new series, films or whatever coming out? Would you rather know nothing or would you rather know everything there is to know? What do you think about that? For those that are unaware, the Empire Awards are, according to Wikipedia, quote, an annual British awards ceremony honoring cinematic achievements in the local and global film industry. Winners are awarded the Empire Awards statuette. The awards, first presented in 1996, are presented by the British film magazine Empire, with the winners voted by the readers of the magazine, end quote. So why are we mentioning the Empire Awards in two different stories this week? because Simon Pegg wasn't the only Star Trek presence. Discovery's own Captain Gabriel Lorca, Jason Isaacs, was nominated by Empire for Best Actor in a TV series, and he won. Now this is Jason Isaacs' first Empire Award, as well as Star Trek Discovery's first ever. Other nominees for Best Actor in a TV Series included Alexander Skarsgård for Big Little Lies, Kyle McLaughlin for Twin Peaks, a limited event series, Matt Smith for The Crown, and Dan Stevens for Legion. For a full list of winners, Trek out this week's show notes.
1: Do you think you know why Star Trek Enterprise was cancelled? Connor Trenier, Enterprise's chief engineer Trip Tucker, has some theories too. He sat down with Trek alumni Garrett Wong and Jesse Eisenberg on their podcast Alpha Quadrant, And he had some interesting hypotheses. From ComicBook.com, quote, The problem was that for the nights that we were on, usually, your Major League Baseball team was also on UPN locally. So we'd get preempted by whatever local sports were happening. There were also entire regions. It didn't even play in St. Louis, Scott Bakula's hometown. So you had those pockets where it wasn't even on. And then Paramount Television chairman Kerry McCluggage got fired, our real fan, really quick. And then the new regime came in, and it was probably as early as the second season, we were like, huh? I don't think we got any lesser ratings than anybody else but Next Generation. I think we all kind of sat in that same area. End quote. Trenier also spoke about the difficulty of being cast as the Floridian Engineer. Quote, I had never been through the ringer like it was for Enterprise, and the scope of audition process was really varied for our show. Apparently, they just tapped Dominic Keating, knowing that they wanted him to play that guy. I think Jolene Blaylock walked in and they went, yeah, you, you're in. And John Billingsley was easy, and I don't remember Anthony Montgomery's situation, but when I told my story, they were like, holy cow, brutal, brutal, end quote. For a link to the Alpha Quadrant podcast and the comicbook.com article, you should most certainly check out our show notes.
0: That's interesting what he said, that there were regions that didn't play Enterprise. Yeah, what kind of network is that?
1: Like, we're just not going to show your show network. Hi, I'm a little TV station in the middle of nowhere. You know, I don't like your show. We're turning it off.
0: Yeah, but wasn't it localized? I don't remember. I'm sorry, I don't remember how UPN worked, but it yeah. But it was like local stations, but they broadcast the UPN Content.
1: Yeah, it's like it was one of the last sort of attempts to really kind of innovate in a broadcast environment before the internet came along and ruined everything for everybody.
0: Okay, that's a little cynical, uh,
1: but you're right, it is. I, As my Netflix uh, account gets ready to charge, you know, for, for my monthly fee here, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is I can't actually remember where or when Enterprise was on, and I can't remember exactly when it was on versus when I was like in college or out of the country or whatever. I didn't watch it. Because for one reason or another, it was not easy for me to watch. Yeah. And now I'm kind of curious, you know, what the situation was when I was trying to watch it. What's interesting to me, though, is his take that that may have contributed to actually the cancellation, the, the fact that it wasn't available. Oh yeah. Because I remember watching Star Trek The Next Generation, and you couldn't flip a channel without it being on. I literally watched it twice a day. It used to play at like three in the afternoon and then again after dinner time, And then the next day, the one from dinnertime the previous day would play at three in the afternoon afternoon, and then they throw, show the next one. So I literally watched every episode twice. Yeah. It was hard to miss.
1: Around that time, that's when Fox started to come on the scene, and they were looking for content. Mm-hmm. Star Trek was an immediate good fit because it was syndicated. It went, you know, So they, they could just yeah. buy the rights to that show and put it on the air. And if you didn't have other programming, you just played that a few times. Yeah. That contributed to its success. And I think that a network not saying, this one's required. This is our flagship show. It's our flagship franchise. Mm-hmm. Literally, there's a flagship on the screen every week that we want people to associate <laughs> with our network. You know, thou shalt show this show. Yeah. And I think that without that kind of push behind it, and clearly they said that the regime change in the second season uh, meant they were never going to get it. Mm-hmm. That I think that probably was bad for them. And then, And then the Firefly syndrome happened to them. Fox did the same thing to Firefly. They put them up against sports, and then the sports preempted them all the time. So even if it aired in your area, and you knew it, and you set aside the time to watch TV like you used to have to do back in the olden times, yeah. you might turn it on, and it might be baseball. <laughs> it might be your crappy local team that yeah. you don't like. So you turned off UPN and just didn't watch UPN, and then UPN's ratings suffered. So I think it's all UPN's fault. I think that's what we take away from this.
0: <laughs> okay, well, that actually brings us to another community question that I would like to know about personally. Where do you remember watching Star Trek? So this could be, what are we talking about earlier? The TV in your parents' kitchen after dinner? That was a popular one. In your college dorm room maybe, or you know, maybe it's in your first apartment eating pizza alone on the couch surrounded by your cats cats (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is we want to hear your story so you can comment on our website at priorityonepodcast.com forward slash PO359 or you can reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter or if you like you can send us an email directly to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com
1: that's it for this week's Star Trek news now let's find out what's happening this week in the world of Star Trek gaming
2: computer status report status Incoming message.
0: I'm only in the mood for good news today. Last week, Star Trek Online announced that their partnership with Mixed Dimensions was now live, and that players are now able to submit orders for their own personal 3D printed ships. So it's been a week, and although we haven't seen any in player hands yet, the community has mixed feelings about it primarily the price point so we wanted to take the time to chat about the ships uh and this ability to print them uh and the price so elijah what are your thoughts you know i am like
3: one drink away from buying these ships uh as an impulse buy you know somebody get that man of whiskey so the thing is, is that this was not designed for every player. Um, mm. there, this, is, this is clearly a very niche audience of players yeah. who have the resources and funds to make purchases like this. I mean, you know, yeah. it, 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 I, I think about our own patrons, right? I think about our own listeners, you know, there, we have a, a ratio of listeners versus patrons. Um, mm-hmm. Those who I, 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 who I have no doubt, Wish could contribute to priority one, but can't because of financial mm-hmm. uh, uh, responsibilities. Uh, where, whereas others have the disposable income to support um, an endeavor like ours. Same thing applies to gaming. You know, yeah. um, I don't go out and buy every ship that is that is um, released in Star Trek Online, right? Anything that the, the digital ships, rather. Even today, there was a flash sale, twenty five percent off on ships, and I yeah. went in. I went in and I looked at some of the ships to see if there was something that I wanted or, or maybe something I had my eye on, and I, I still didn't invest in in that purchase. So the price point certainly hurts. But I, I remember we talked about this a little while ago, or when the first. Two years ago, rather, when mm-hmm. when they were announced in New York Comic Con and, and the price yeah. points were talked about, you know, in the hundred dollar ranges. And you were talking yeah. about your experience, your own experiences with 3D printing ships. Like uh, yeah. I, I believe um, your father was uh, was dabbling in 3D printing and and, and yep. the cost of ordering those things. Like, remind us a little bit about what those costs are like.
0: Well, it depends. Um You know, if you're just getting the little odd thing printed, you can get it done at somebody who's a volume printer and you can get some really cheap pieces, but you know, if you're getting something that's big and complicated, the price goes up very, very quickly. It's still a relatively new technology, 3D printers, even though you can get them, you know, I know people that have them in their home, but it's still relatively new technology. It's not like, you know, super cheap off the shelf. You can just replicate whatever you want. I agree with you. I'm not sure that these ships are meant to be everybody is has you know has access to them. But what I really like about them is this uh, the direct interface with the game. And I'm curious to see whether other games, other pieces of software or whatever, can sort of start to think in this term or in these terms. Because so I love my tiny starships that I got from Eagle Moss. I have. A handful of them. If there was an easy way for me to get them at that price from Star Trek Online, that would be great. That might just be a matter of time. I don't know. The idea that you can have a game that you are already interacting with, you've customized your own piece of that universe, and then you can have it in real life is fantastic.
3: If I if I do have the disposable income to purchase one of these ships, I most certainly would. Now, the thing about it is is that it's also tiered, right? I could order one of these yeah. ships for about $200. And get at least the primed model ready for painting, right?
0: Would you do that? I don't see you as a model That's, painter. No, Elijah. I'm not.
3: That's the thing is that I'm not a model <laughs> painter. I don't have the patience for it. Uh, again, the price point certainly hurts. Hurts, but I think that as excluded as some players feel. I don't think that this was designed for everybody to to be able to invest money in.
0: No, I agree with you on that. I think that it's it's a it's a proof of concept and it's a really great it's a really great addition to the game. It's a really great thing for people to be able to say that they can do. And I think for the right person, it's a, just a phenomenal deal, especially if you're a hobbyist who's into painting your own stuff. Like, that's a, that's a really cool deal. Because some of those models will run you into the hundreds, um, the ones that you put together and then paint yourself, you know, from that perspective. But it sounds to me, tell me if you disagree with me, but it sounds to me like both of us think it's a really great thing uh, and both of us are probably going to give it a miss.
3: I, again, I'm telling you, it's, uh, yeah, $200 is not outside of my price point, $350 a little bit, the, the, other, the only other thing, the only other way that I would really go ahead and click on, on this purchase uh, mm-hmm. is that they're currently running a promotion. And the promotion mm-hmm. is is that you can go ahead and order them at this promotional price, which is the base price, the $350, yeah. um, $225 or $200, no matter what ship you get. I don't know I might I don't know I don't I don't want to talk about it anymore because I might just log into the game right now and do it and really hate myself for it but also love myself for it you have to record know. an addendum yeah yeah so I'll let you guys know what I decide to do after another glass of bourbon <laughs> Drink responsibly, kids.
0: Oh, dear. Yikes.
3: Now, moving on, there's another big piece of news that was just released this week, Mm -hmm. and I came into this episode just to talk about it. (laughs) Now, I get enough flack for DS9 being one of my least favorite series of Star Trek. Now, for all of you out there who love to argue with me, now you can rub my face in it, because the fourth expansion for Star Trek Online celebrates Deep Space Nine by, quote, Introducing a new playable Jem'Hadar faction, increasing the level cap to level 65, and six new episodes starring 10 of the show's original cast members. This includes Armin Shimmerman as Quark, Renee Abergenois as Odo, Nana Visitor as Kira, Andrew Robinson as Garrick, Alexander Siddig as Dr. Julian Bashir, and more. End quote. In a press release, Perfect World Entertainment announced that the expansion will take us, the players, into the Gamma Quadrant with key characters from DS9 to defeat the Herc. And when describing the new playable faction, the Jem'Hadar, the press release writes, quote, The brand new playable faction will start at level 60 with a variety of completed reputations, specialization trees, duty officer tracks, and R&D progress. End quote. In addition, we're looking at an all new sector battle zone. Details are, of course, sparse, as it is just the initial announcement, but it looks like we're looking at a June release for Expansion 4 of Star Trek Online.
0: So this has been actually a really good time reading about this, because it's been a while since we've had an expansion. And you know what? People have been asking for the Gamma Quadrant forever. (laughs) So we've got Alpha, Beta, Delta... Um, we've been missing the Gamma Quadrant so this is great that we're actually going to go into the Gamma Quadrant uh, we've got a new playable faction which is a little bit exciting um, and of course the the cast of Deep Space Nine is such a huge draw I know I, I am not a well Winters is going to kill me I'm not a huge Deep Space Nine fan I don't actually remember any of it so I'm actually rewatching my way through it um, join the club but yeah, <laughs> exactly. The but the club of um, two, ex- yes. Um, but I know, like, I know that Winters will love this because uh, we haven't had that much Deep Space Nine content in the game, and this this is going to be a really interesting new perspective. I did want to like touch on uh, just one thing, which was the new playable faction, and this is something that uh, kind of interests me, and I'm looking forward to when we get to hear a little bit more about it because this is a new thing. That they're doing, where the new playable Gem Hadar is going to start off at level 60. So you're you're sort of starting at endgame with this character, and I don't know exactly how they're going to make that work because apparently they're going to ha- still have access to the other missions. It'll be interesting to see. But then you know we had we had the same questions when we had Agents of Yesterday when we we're like how how are they going to start off in the in the 23rd century and then and then join up. So I, I'm sure it will become clear in the fullness of time, as they like to say at, at, at Cryptic.
3: I have no interest in playing Gemhadon, even do I... as like. <laughs> okay. Look, <laughs> I think that a lot of people are surprised that they that Cardassians weren't the ones to be kind of featured as the expansion. Um, I think a lot there's been a lot of clamor for for Cardassians, but if you look at the the press release, if you look at at kind of the response that some of the developers have given, particularly Ambassador Kel and some others are in, in Reddit and whatnot, their wording as to whether or not. Cardassians are going to come into play as very, dare I say, cryptic. So <laughs> it's early, and we could very well see a Cardassian playable uh, character. Um, you know, the thing about Cardassians is that, is that they're not a Gamma Quadrant species, right? So, yeah, you know, uh, how, how would you weave that in, if at all?
0: I can kind of see why it's Jem'Hadar. It kind of goes with thematically. Um... But I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. I really understand it, and I don't really understand how it's going to work because we we more or less have a two faction system, don't we? We have yes. Oh yeah. Fed. Yeah. It's red versus. And we blue, have yeah. KDF. Yeah. So Romulans, you have to choose, and the, the 23rd century Federation, of course, is by default sort of the Federation side. So I'm curious to see: Are we going to As a Jem'Hadar, are we going to choose or are we going to be aligned with KDF by default? I mean, that'll be interesting because obviously they're talking about this is leading on from us discovering the Herc being the big baddies and of course the Herc of the mortal enemies of the Klingons. So there's going to be something in there. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions is basically what I'm getting at. The thing is, as with all of these... Big major announcements. They're gonna drip feed all of this information out over the next several weeks.
3: Now, now here is my personal thing. Right, is that it's no secret that my playtime in Star Trek Online has significantly decreased. Mm-hmm. A lot of that having to do with the fact that when I log in, I, I I I find it difficult to get things done. You know, for instance, get yeah. through my reputation, get through because it, right now the end game for me is earning specialization points uh, and getting reputation. Right, yeah. um, that's in my mind's eye what I want to do. And when I go into the queues for reps that I want, um, the queues seem you know they get they get a little empty. It gets a very it gets a little lonely. Mm-hmm. So and then the other reason that I log into Star Trek Online is for is for the episodes and the episodic content. Six episodes after. So we're looking at June. The last featured episode was released in February, January. So we're talking about almost four, five to six months since we've got a storyline episode. Mm -hmm. I. Kind of miss. I kind of wish I could. I was being brought in for an episode at least once a month.
0: Dude, they're giving you a whole nother quadrant of space. Yeah, is it not good yeah, enough for you? No. Is the whole gamma quadrant not good enough for you, Elijah? No,
3: because I'm not a deep space nine fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. I actually see. I I read the same things, but um, actually with, with a completely different takeaway. So it seems to me that this expansion seems to be catering to people who are more casual players because for instance the gem R starting at level 60 uh you don't have to go through the grind to get that character to end game and then up to the, the 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 brand new level cap and also only only six of those new episodes um is is kind of a nice tight it's it's a nice little boost to to end game players, but it's not—it's not so overwhelming for people who are just joining, and they're like, "Geez, it's going to take me four years to play through all of this." So I, I kind of liked it, but then again, um, I, I am more on, on the casual player side.
3: Now, first of all, mm-hmm. one thing is not clear: is mm-hmm. that do you have to? already have an existing character at level 60 in order for you to start and roll a new Jem'Hadar character at level 60, right? That needs to be cleared up, and hopefully we'll get that answer to you, Captains, by next week. Because this reminds me a lot of World of Warcraft. A few years ago, they had done a push where you can, you know, they had already gone through several expansions, and they had released an expansion where you could start your character at 60 yeah so it's about inviting new players in so certainly but i don't know i feel like that has almost like an like for me that for me personally as a casual gamer it almost had a an adverse effect on me where i was like okay i'm at 60 great but i don't have anywhere near the gear that other players have i still have to go back and do all these things and experience all these things so I think for a game that like Star Trek Online where the the lore of playing Star Trek Online is its story, you're yeah. almost doing a disservice to the player, to the to the Star Trek fan at letting them start at 60 and then pick and choose what they want to experience.
0: I I think that's only the case if you can start from complete scratch at level 60. I I I'm hoping that what we'll see is once once you uh, on another character have hit level sixty then it's then it's open to you choosing a, a new one that that 's what I would personally like to see because then you personally as a player you've gained the experience you've got some energy credits in the bank, hopefully, and access to gear and and um, uh, fleet gear and all sorts of things that you can use to to help that level sixty character because you're right you start a level sixty character with nothing it's it's the 60s just a number you know um so i'm hoping that that's where you get to you get to a certain point well like um like the romulans are because you can't roll a romulan straight you have to have at least another character who's a or klingons it's klingons you, right. have you have to be level, level 10, two. I think, before you can start a new character. Yep. So, um, And that makes sense if you have already been required to play the game to a certain point and then you can jump into that new character. If it's just your, it's available from the start, uh, that to me doesn't make any sense. And I think it would be actually really hard to understand as a player.
3: Well, Captains, you can rest assured that we will be getting answers to questions like these over the coming weeks. Leading up to the fourth expansion to Star Trek Online. In the meantime, let's find out what else is going on.
0: So, we've actually got a couple of events that are on this weekend. So, between this Thursday and next Monday, March 26th, players can get a 100% bonus above normal amounts of XP, and that goes towards skill and expertise points.
3: I would love to participate in this XP weekend because I got to catch up on those specialization points. If anybody's going to be playing this weekend, look me up in Star Trek Online or find me on Discord because I got things to do, and I like playing with other people because that's why I like MMOs.
0: I was thinking about hopping into the game this weekend, but I don't like playing with other people. So...
3: (laughs) That's your fault. Players (laughs) can also enjoy a 20% sale on services in the C-Store. This includes things like character slots, bank slots, rename and retrain tokens, duty officer slots, ship slots, and much more. So if you've felt like you've been running out of space for things, this is your weekend.
0: And just before we move on, we've got some other gaming news to tell you about.
3: Earlier this month, Star Trek alum David Ogden Steers passed away. And to celebrate his contributions to Star Trek, the mobile game Timelines has introduced his character, Timison, into the game. You'll remember that he was the scientist trying to save his planet, but due to the planet's rituals, was destined to commit suicide upon reaching his elder age. Loaxana Troy had different plans.
0: That is one of my, honestly, honest to God, favorite episodes of Star Trek ever.
3: I don't like many Loxana episodes, but Mm -hmm. I liked this one. It's a very underrated episode.
0: Yeah, I think it tackled a really cool idea, and it didn't give you the happy ending that you wanted, and it made you kind of examine why you wanted that ending and what you would have done differently and what it means to kind of respect another person's culture. And finally, before we move on, I should mention that our very own Elijah made a special appearance on the Mission Log Live podcast this week, along with Thomas Moroni and Nick Duguid from Star Trek Online, and they were talking all about Star Trek gaming. You can listen to that episode now in the Mission Log Live podcast feed, find it on iTunes or wherever good podcasts are broadcast. You can also watch the video back on the Mission Log Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash mission log pod. And of course, if you want to tune into their Facebook live show in the future, you can do that on Tuesday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern, conveniently just before we go live with our recording of Priority One.
3: I do have to take a moment to address someone's comment in the chat whilst I was on. I was talking about the Foundry and about how much of a resource that could be for uh, for both players who want to get creative and players who just want to explore some interesting storylines written by fellow fans of the franchise. And somebody goes, well, how come Elash is talking about the Foundry? He hates the Foundry. I don't hate the Foundry. <laughs> hate is a strong word. Hate is a very strong <laughs> word. The, it, it, there is no doubt that there are, is some phenomenal storytelling in the Foundry. Um, and I've said this before, that the Foundry is kind of like the Star Trek novels for me, that th- th- it's just not for me. I'm just one of those fans that finds it hard to to stray too far away from canon.
0: That's just you as a fan. That's- and that's
3: just me as a fan. That's just me, yeah. that's just me. But again, I don't hate the Foundry. It's just not my personal playing choice. It's not my personal playing style.
0: And if there is any sort of lingering doubt, um, you know, if if Elijah's ever like being mean on the Foundry, um, it's usually to wind up Tony.
3: Oh yeah, it's definitely a wind up <laughs> yeah. Tony. Absolutely. Oh, most certainly. Most <laughs> certainly. But but right. I have very much respect for the for the players that spend time in the foundry developing their yeah. their storylines and writing them and 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 uh and fleshing those out. I it's it's an it's admirable. I envy them. I really do. It's just
0: not your cup of Earl Grey. Yeah, it's on
3: my cup of Ractigino. <laughs> but I do not hate the foundry. Nor would I ever want to see the foundry go defunct you know and or be sunset in star trek online i hope that they continue to invest in it because i think it's a very important tool for players who are interested in experiencing the storylines that we would not normally see on screen yeah
0: i agree and of course regardless of how you play star trek games whether it's the foundry in star trek online or timelines or anything else please join us on discord links of course will be in the show notes
3: Well, that wraps it up for Star Trek Online and other Star Trek gaming news. Now, let's turn to Jace for this month's literary review.
2: Hello, Captains. This is Jace with the latest edition of Trek Lit 101. This month, we look at the second Star Trek Discovery novel, Drastic Measures, by Dayton Ward warning spoilers ahead for star trek discovery and uh i suppose for the original series as well but if that's a problem shame on you go put down this podcast and go watch some star trek i don't care if you're on your way to work i certainly enjoyed the first discovery novel desperate hours though i felt the subplot about the colonial government and rebellious activity towards starfleet a bit lacking so naturally you can imagine my enthusiasm for a new book promising A heavy focus on the planetary government of Tarsus IV. Ouch. Still, it's Tarsus IV. We're talking about the backstory of Conscience of the King from TOS here. Jim Kirk is on that planet. Drastic measures starts in the midst of the brutal food crisis on Tarsus IV, where Lieutenant Commander Gabriel Lorca is stationed at a Starfleet monitoring outpost. No Starfleet vessels are believed in range to arrive before the food supply runs out. But Commander Philippa Giorgio puts together a response team to be carried there at all haste by the science vessel Narbonne. It's great to see a younger Lorca and Giorgio in action, and Ward does a great job at writing dialogue that I could really hear in their voices. Especially intriguing is seeing Prime Lorca specifically, now that we know the truth, and how a Starfleet officer might become the sort of man that a Terran captain could successfully impersonate for so long. I didn't know what to expect from the story. And I think it suffers a little bit from the push and pull of being on one hand constrained by what we do and don't know about the characters of Discovery, and on the other hand by what has already been laid down in TOS history by Conscience of the King. I think he navigated it well for all those restrictions. If anything, the first third is a bit slow, especially because one of the key events happens extremely early on and I was left wondering for a while what the rest of the book is going to be about exactly, especially since you sort of know how it turns out? The two cameos in this book were also welcome, though one of them was more expected than the other. You couldn't tell the story of Tarsus IV and not have Kirk show up, but the author wisely kept it to a reasonable minimum, while still allowing the scene to matter and have an impact. The other cameo, which I'm not gonna name, could have been gratuitous, or maybe it even was, but honestly, anytime there's a crossover with the animated series, I'm just too pleased to even care. There's also a minor character who's one of the first Betazoids in Starfleet, which I also liked. Her musings added some insight into the other characters, as well as fleshing out a bit about Betazed's early step into the galactic stage. Ultimately, the pace did pick up, and I found myself more and more invested in the action of the cat and mouse between Kodos and Starfleet. The climax of the tale felt sudden when it came, but not out of place, and I am glad that Ward took the time to continue on into the fallout and follow-up as much as he did. While some of it was a bit hasty in parts i'm always appreciative of stories that don't just reach their apex abruptly and then the book is over i'd be remiss if i didn't mention the epilogue of sorts brief and included even after the about the author page it was mysterious and ambiguous and the novels aren't canon of course but i am not so sure we've seen the last of prime lorca after all in the end i would recommend this to any discovery fan If you're looking to get some insight into the backstory of a classic TOS episode, if you're a huge fan of the animated series and desperate for any mention or appearance of any characters from it, or if you're a completionist. A comment I made IRL about this book while I was reading it is that if there were 30 Star Trek Discovery novels, I'm not sure if this would be on my short list. But while we're in the early stages, the infancy, if you will, of Discovery novels, I don't think you can pass it up. Dayton Ward is a superlative writer, as we've seen many times in the past, and I think he puts forth a serious effort to thread the needle between canon and extrapolation and speculation. And who knows? This may be a portent of things to come. The writer's room is closely involved in continuity with these tie-in novels, whether they're canon or not. That's all for this month's Trek Lit 101.
0: Message coming in,
2: sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. <laughs> See? We are getting to know each other.
0: Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
1: Episode 358 was sans community question, but our lovely listeners, you guys, kept the lines of communication open, and for which we are eternally grateful.
0: From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Chio Yumiku said, Awesome show, and you all knew I was going to chime in for this. No vesta? Vesta! <laughs> Thank you, Tony. No way I'm dropping $350 on anything but my baby, who happens to be a Vesta. Vesta. I am a very unhappy captain, hashtag heartbroken and in tears. And uh, I'm very sorry, Chio. That's that's actually kind of sad.
1: This is where the lawyer comes in again and ruins all the fun. I am positive it probably has to do with the fact that the Vesta is licensed from uh, Rademacher. Rademacher. I forget how you pronounce his name. Uh, So it it, it probably has to do with a negotiation. Fingers crossed maybe something comes through at a later date, Um, but it's not a Cryptic original design, so Cryptic doesn't have the entirety of the rights to do it. And as I looked at that list of other things that were not um, available, that was kind of a theme on a lot of those. So things that that Cryptic and and Paramount and CBS don't have a lock on, those things are going to be left out.
0: No, the question that I uh, wasn't able to, to tell was, "Can you do the Enterprise?"
1: Oh, like get it painted NCC one seven zero one, the Enterprise? That's a great question.
0: Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure why you would want to, because um, Eagle Moss do all of the all of the Enterprises that are. Um,
1: uh... Yeah, because they're available commercially for a lot cheaper. Except for the F, you couldn't get the F commercially. You can you only get that via this uh, via this offering. So, I would. It's in the game. The F is in the game, so I'm I'm gonna I'd be like 99.9% sure you could probably do it. I would bet that the uh, the bloody A, B, C, and D and E probably aren't because those are available with other licensed products elsewhere. But I bet if you wanted an F, they'd give you an F. And on Facebook, Ray Borg messaged us uh, with the packaging and contents of the newest Star Trek loot crate. Thanks so much for that, Ray. We don't want to spoil anything, but you know that looks amazing.
0: You didn't get one of these, did you, Tony? N-
1: no, no. I have you. You don't understand after. Nineteen years of marriage and two kids. I have more crap in my basement. (laughs) I could possibly ever get rid of. I don't think I do not need crates of loot. It is not a thing that I require.
0: I mean, honestly, that's 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 the 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 reason that I did not pick up one of these loot crates because it's not it's a decent price for the amount of stuff you're getting. And I think if I was younger and didn't have little younglings running around, maybe I would have picked that up for myself.
1: Have you ever played those video games where, like, at the later stages of the game, ninety percent of your time is spent on inventory management? Like, you <laughs> which, don't have enough room in your backpack. Which games are those, Tony?
0: I've I've, like, I've I never know. experienced I one of know. those type yeah. of games. I don't know what
1: kind of games those might be. <laughs> ones where you have to empty out your friggin' bank account because you've got too much. You've got know, 18 different versions of sets from different things going back seven or eight years. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, that's my basement. Okay? I mean, that right. is... that is And, and, and my You're garage. You're
0: like, wow, this so, MMO is so realistic.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is like... I better log into... I better log out of Star Trek Online to go... but Oh, wait. <laughs> No, I better log back in because <laughs> yeah. at least that one I don't break my back moving my little <laughs> icons around.
0: Uh, no, it was great though, Ray. Thank you for sending us those pictures in. That was really cool to see uh, to see what you managed to snag from that. And I hope that if you're a Star Trek fan and you are in the market for that for that sort of thing, go and go and check it out because it does seem like a really cool and it and it comes in a shuttle. It comes in a cardboard box that is shaped and decorated. Like a TNG era shuttle, which is cool. cool.
1: Because back then they had to build everything with straight lines because they couldn't afford curves, so it just yeah, looked so like a that, box.
0: That, that's why it's the TNG era shuttle.
1: That's why it's the TNG to, era shuttle. The more, more shuttle.
0: modern ones, because they're too round. <laughs> <sighs> And from Facebook, our astrometrics advisor, Dr. Robert Hurt, says, I like that one. Uh, And he was uh, looking at a picture of me and him right as we were about to go on uh, with Mission Log live. um, Well, with Mission Log at the Roddenberry Night of Diversity. That was really great. And um, hopefully keep an eye out for that supplemental, which should be coming out soon.
1: Well, that wraps up episode 359 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.
0: But before we go, here's a reminder of our community questions this week. How do you feel about fan productions like ours, examining the minutiae of new films and TV series that are coming out in the future? Where do you remember watching Star Trek? Whether it's the TV in your parents' kitchen or in your college dorm room, we want to hear your story.
1: Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Maybe on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash podcast. Or tweet us via at Priority One Pod.
0: Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details.
1: And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. Every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel and we review the latest Star Trek Online and our Armada news, as well as highlighting some of the amazing members in the fleet. Every week, we team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, new and old alike. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority1.
0: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
1: Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And our latest endeavor, Heroes Rise, brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets.
0: Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Ben Churchill, James Skifter, Brandon Parker, and Jake Morgan. With additional support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Thanks to Jake as well for writing our script and spearheading our social media efforts. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors.
2: Red alert. Shields up.
1: Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. I do that is that okay can i make the edit on the fly is that on is you that can I do that
0: tony i highly encourage you to do so
1: okay i'll do that then
0: i mean it's i you are kind of messing with the perfection that is jake's writing however i'm gonna
1: do that i'm gonna do that jake talk to chivalry being over at guard frequency i edit everything always
0: yeah tony tony i'm gonna need you to not deviate from the script
1: mm. um <laughs> Hang on, we're gonna take the stream offline for a little bit. Just just be right back. No, no.
0: No <laughs> <laughs> no, no no, I was making fun of Elijah. Damn oh, it! Oh, oh, oh. I missed it. Oh, oh and I sorry, mentioned Elijah yeah, again.
1: We as did well. it again, we okay. did it again. It's it's the Elijah Beckdell test. Okay.
0: And I'm gonna just quickly write that into into closing before I completely forget that. What did I just say, Tony?
1: You said <laughs> what is your favorite flavor of jelly bean and
0: why? <laughs> Discovery's own Captain Gabriel Lorca, Jason Isaacs, was also nominated by Empire. Not also. <clears throat> also, Jake, that's Gabrielle. Now, that's a whole nother Lorca twist that I don't think we know about. That
1: yet. could have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that last twist I <sighs> talked about that we didn't need. We don't need any more twists. Well, guess what? <laughs> Everyone thought Michael Burnham was the most controversial thing. Oh, no. Here comes Gabrielle Lorca.
3: Well, captains, you can rest assured that we sh- will be getting shwill. We shwill. We shwill. Well, okay. Earlier this month, Star Trek un-lum, alum. Alum. Gee, oh, alum. Why? I'm not even num, drunk. Num- alum
0: tongue.
3: Alum <laughs> <laughs> <A> tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: Focus. Stop talking okay, yeah. now. <laughs> oh, you're right. you're going to need to do some editorial. <laughs> it's the lady doth protest too much. Fair, fair. So I really, I really don't hate, I really, no, seriously, I really, really don't hate the Foundry. But I really don't. I admire them. They're great people. I don't, I definitely do not hate
3: them. <laughs> <laughs> lady doth protest too much. <laughs> good 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 call good call there all right hit stop
0: no podcast.roddenberry.com the roddenberry podcast network